welcome to the Wealthy Homes Podcast, where we help young Michigan families manage their finances and create wealth. I'm your host, Connor Bowserman, financial advisor with Preferred Financial Group. Welcome to another episode of the Wealthy Homes Podcast. In this episode, we've got our first returning guest, and then we've also got somebody who's not new to PFG, but new to the podcast, and that is Rob Harrison, one of the other founding partners. So without further ado, Rob, Pat, welcome to the podcast. Well, hey, great to be here. So for the listeners who maybe don't know you or don't remember Pat from about 40 episodes ago, could you guys just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Well, I'm Rob Harrison. I've been uh, in the industry for 30 plus years. Actually, Pat and I got started back in 1990 with Prudential. My background is I developed software for 10 years. It just wasn't my thing. I did well in it, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. So I got into the financial services business and been just helping people do financial planning and uh, for the last 30 some years. Yeah, like Rob said, we met way back in the 90s and kind of have teamed up in the recent years, uh, but I've been in the business 36 years now and um, married three kids, six grandkids and one on the way. Yeah. Uh, really enjoy uh, the job. I love helping people and this has been a great opportunity to uh, meet a lot of people, help them and uh, get a lot of satisfaction from uh, doing a job. Nice thing about being in it for 30 years, we've, you know, we've raised, both Pat and I have raised families, so we've done the college funding, we've had to save for our own family and our own retirement, and we've kind of seen the whole life cycle of the family uh, over the last 30 years, which has really helped us out with other people. Mm -hmm. Of course. Yeah, I mean, I bring down the average uh, working years, but I think between three of us, it's like over 80 years, which is pretty cool. So lots of good education and good information you guys are going to get today. And you guys sent in some different questions that we're going to answer. We have five different questions that I'll go through today. And then we'll just kind of round table and kind of just give you the Q&A on it. So for the first question, it's very loaded, but when should I take Social Security? Democrats are running this country into the ground and I want to get as much money out of Social Security as I can. Some extra information that they kind of gave us, they are between 55 and 60, they're married, contracted 1099, I'd say middle class, and they gave us some extra information, have a decent amount saved up in my company's pension, and should have enough to live on once I draw Social Security. I won't comment on the political affiliation or anything like that, but we'll answer the Social Security question. Um, So if Rob, if you wanted to kind sure. of give your I'll give take a on shot it. at it. This question comes up very frequently in our discussions on when you should take it. The question is, is are you making enough money now in your life cycle, the things you want to do, your lifestyle, excuse me? Because the question is, is you have to have money to retire on. And Social Security is just one source of really what we call the three-legged stool. And that is Social Security, any pensions that you may have. And the third one would be your retirement plans. Mm-hmm. I think that's the three yep. of them. Yep. And so a lot of people don't have pension plans anymore. So you're really just talking, you either got Social Security to live on or in your investments or both. And so I always tell people, when should you take it? Well, if you need X amount of dollars each month and your Social Security only makes up, you know, 60% of what you need, well, 
you have to have savings for that. And so you don't want to take your Social Security till you get that nest egg saved up. And taking it too early, you're going to probably run out of money and not live the lifestyle that you choose. So really talk to your financial planner. He can tell you how much of a nest egg you're going to need to have to live on. And we can kind of estimate what your Social Security is. And if that number is equal or exceeds that, you can probably start taking your Social Security. Yeah, Social Security is one of those things that is morphed over time into something much different today. And I know there's a lot of questions about will Social Security be around, but for an age group of 55 to 60, you're probably pretty uh, comfortable that the Social Security that we know now today will be here. Uh, for younger people, it will look much different in the future. But for this age group, they're probably going to uh, have the Social Security be there like it has always been in the same kind of format. Uh, one of the things we can do here at uh, Preferred Financial Group is if you want to uh, look at Social Security, we can run a Social Security Analyzer for you that will kind of give you numbers of if you drew early, if you waited, those kind of things, which may be a, a helpful tool as you're planning your retirement. Yeah. One of the biggest things, too, that I ask is the longevity that you have in your family. If you start talking about your parents or your grandparents and they're in their 80s, 90s, well, then it most likely makes sense to take it later because you'll it, likely absolutely. get a lot more money out of the Social Security system. Because that was the second part of the question. I want to get as much money out of Social Security as I can. Well, sometimes that if you take it later, you'll get more out of it. And a lot of that's not just the payment that you'll get, but also that inflation protection that's on it that you'll get each and every year. And that'd be another question too, is let's say you did have enough social security to take it early and you have a pension income that would equal or be close to what you need in retirement. Well, the thing that you'll have to think about long-term is inflation. If we talked about this five years ago, you would have thought I was nuts. Mm -hmm. But now that inflation's one of the main topics, that's something that you got to think long and hard about because you only have a portion of your income that's inflating with just social security. A lot of the pensions do not do that. They don't change. Mm -hmm. And another, the, the last thing I would look at too is ages. If there's a difference between ages of spouses, uh, there may be a more advantaged way to do it depending on ages. And if one spouse maybe didn't work in the workforce for a while or earned lesser amount than the, their spouse, those make a difference too. So that all goes into this social security analyzer that we can do here which may be a, a big benefit to you. And it is a free service we yeah, offer. Complimentary. Yeah. <laughs> Contact Connor if you wish, and we can run one for you and go over it with you. Sure. All right. Second question. What is your opinion on paying off debt? Have some money saved, but I have also hate having a car loan and want to eliminate that payment. Age is about 40 to 50, divorced, and they're earning a salary. I would say probably above middle class for one individual, but they have about 5000 in emergency fund savings and about 7000 in extra savings over and above that emergency fund. So about a total of 12000 I have three more years on my car loan and a remaining balance of $9,000. The current interest rate is 6%. Guy's opinion. Well, that question comes up quite a bit too. And, and really, you're, you're really, if you have credit card debt, I would definitely pay those off because credit card debt's very high. But then on a mortgage could be 2 3%, and you're probably better off not paying a mortgage with a very low interest rate. So I would personally attack the higher interest rate account first. 
Mm-hmm. And and then just look at your cash flow. If you are making good money and you have extra cash, just do it over time. If you want to eliminate that to lower your monthly expenses, then then really work on that, getting that paid down. Sure. Yeah, paying off debt is a great thing to do. I agree with Rob. Start at your highest interest rate ones first and pay it off. Another option you can do for a car loan like that is just see how much if you paid 50 bucks a month extra, 100 bucks a month extra, when you would have that paid off, then you're not disturbing your uh, savings account. And the longer you have the loan, most of the interest is paid in the earlier years. So you're going to have more go towards the principal at the end anyway, but you can run that with any financial program uh, on your uh, iPhone or whatever to see if you did pay extra, when you'd have it paid off and what interest you would save over that time period. Yeah, I like this question just because we all are probably going to have different opinions on it. I mean, I think you can afford to pay it off. I would you would dip in a little bit to your emergency fund. This isn't necessarily an emergency fund issue, but if you just did that and then you have, say, $3,000 in your emergency fund and you need another two, well, likely if you just paid what you would have paid into your car payment into that emergency fund, you could probably replenish that within a couple yeah. of months. So I would say you're probably pretty good to do that. Of course, there's other variables that are probably in there that you didn't tell us, but uh, just on face value, that's my opinion on it. All right. So question number three, how should I invest in my company's 401k? I'm younger and looking to grow my account as much as possible. Their age is 25 to 29. They are married. They are salaried and I would say above middle class. They work for a Fortune 500 company here in Southwest Michigan, taking advantage of the company match currently, but I don't know how much I should contribute. I want to make sure I'm saving enough for retirement and investing in the right things. Great question. Yep. I have been doing my 401k and I highly recommend everybody try to save at least 10 to 15% of your, of your annual salary. And, and that includes what you contribute. And if the company's matching 3%, if you could get 12%, they match three or 3%, you're getting a 15 goal rate of 15% a year. Um, over time, that is really going to grow. And that's really what it takes to, uh, to really retire comfortably. If you, if you sign up for that and uh, do it every year. As far as, uh, you know, investment options, I would definitely, as you're young, as this person stated, I would definitely be somewhat aggressive in stocks. Don't worry about what the market's doing this year. You know, if it's doing 10% one year and 3% next year, you're going to not need this money for another, of course, this person's 25, 29, for another 30 years. It doesn't matter what the market's doing today. It's what, what's going to matter when you go to use it 30 some years from now. So be aggressive, ride the highs and lows. When, you're, when it is low and you're contributing every week to your 401k, you're buying more shares. You know, if you're doing $30 a week into your 401k and a share price is a dollar, you're buying 30, 30 shares a week. Mm-hmm. If, if, it's, if it's $30 a share and you got $30, you're buying one share a week. So you're, you're just buying more shares. Yeah, I would say at least do the company match. Make sure you get that. That's extra money to you. And you also may want to look at whether they have a Roth a section to their 401k versus the traditional, as that will have some tax advantages as you uh, get at the money, you know, 30, 35 years from now. But 
Yes, definitely be aggressive. A hundred percent equities at this point in time with your age bracket, I would do. Yeah, a lot of times in the 401ks, you likely are going to have the target date options of some kind, whether that's the Fidelity, the Vanguard, whatever company is sponsoring your plan is likely going to have their name on it, and that's going to have a certain date. And usually that date lines up with your 65th birthday. So the the younger you are, the more the farther out that date will be, and the, the older you are, the closer that date will be. So that's just going to be that how much is in equities versus the bonds. Likely you're going to be 100% in equities like Pat said, or you'll likely have some other options in your 401k that might be more growth oriented or just just that. They might be a, an aggressive growth portfolio. So those would be the two options that I would look at if you have those. Yeah, the, the target date funds are a great way to diversify yourself and really just you leave it and, and forget about it because they move the money for you. They manage, should you be in large company stocks, should you be in bonds, should you be in small company stocks? They kind of manage all that for you based on your age and, and the target date. Yeah. All right. We got our fourth question. What is your view on investing in cryptocurrencies? We've got an age between 18 and 25. They are not married. They're single salaried between 44,000 and 65,000 and then just the extra information that they put in was I hear a lot about crypto and the blockchain but not from financial advisors. Would like your opinion on how you would view crypto especially as a young advisor. I'll answer that one. Yeah, you want me to. I'll first say we can't talk about it as advisors very in detail just because it is an unregulated place and so as an advisor, we cannot recommend that you buy or sell anything in cryptocurrencies just because that's kind of out of our jurisdiction, yeah. if yep. that makes sense. It, it is. It's a high, I mean, it's looked at upon as a high risk investment. Mm -hmm. It's just not a lot of history with it. We don't really know how, where it's going. So our, our broker dealer will not allow us to talk about it and be responsible for anybody's losses or gains. We just can't, we can't offer it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and my personal opinion is I think the blockchain in itself is going to be very valuable and we're already seeing kind of that being implemented into society with the financial markets. And basically what that means is just how money is transacted. The old-fashioned way was you had basically these orders that would go to the banks and then the banks would kind of telegraph that to the next bank and it would just take a, a series of payments to be able to move money where the blockchain will allow that money to move a lot quicker and sometimes more efficiently or even safer. The only thing that I kind of have a question mark is, is how do you profit from that? And that's where I view cryptocurrency is it's just like to me back when the tech bubble happened was how are these companies going to profit on the internet? That was the main question, main goal of all these different companies. And some companies did not profit at all and some did. And so that's my question is what cryptocurrency will be adapted with society? Will it be Bitcoin? Will it be their own version? Will the U.S. government come out with their own? And then these other cryptocurrencies won't have any use. That will be a big question mark to me. If you're really interested in, in investing in that, I would encourage you to kind of do that on your own. An advisor is obviously not going to help you. But I would say to limit it to say five, 10% of overall what you're willing to invest. I would not put all of your 
you know, eggs in one basket, as the analogy goes. So I would encourage you to, to do a lot of research on your own before investing in anything, not just cryptocurrency, but anything and really understand what you're investing in. All right, we're down to our last question. What does it say in the Bible about investing? This person's 30 to 40, they're married, salary, middle class. And then they wanted to say, I just wanted to ask from a biblical standpoint, especially when your show is about wealth. Interesting question. Pat, yeah. I think you're probably more I apt to Pastor, to, yeah. Pastor, <laughs> Pastor Pat's Pat. that question. <clears throat> we're, we're taught in the Bible not to go after money, to honor it, to have it be an idol in our lives. But we're also uh, instructed to be good stewards of our money, what God has given you. And we can find in the you know book of Proverbs, it talks about trying to gain wealth hastily. That does not work. We need to make sure we're planning. I, I believe that we're designed to uh, live for God in a way that honors him. So planning is part of that. We don't fly by the seat of our pants. So this investing in a 401k or on your own is good stewardship. You're trying to build uh, some wealth uh, for yourself so you can retire and uh, support yourself through your own investments as well as a pension or Social Security. But that's not our ultimate goal to you know accumulate X number of dollars kind of thing. So I think it's just being a good steward of what you've been given. In the book of Matthew, it talks about the, the parable of the five talents. The one that was given the most went out and invested it, and the master said, well done, and gave him even more. The one with the least didn't do anything with it, just buried it because he didn't want to take a chance of losing it and gave it back uh, to his master, and the master was not happy about that. So I think it's that being a good steward of it. And uh, like Connor said, do your research into anything. Don't make it be an idol, but make it be part of your life to where you, in my opinion, you tithe and you do save and have those be just a part of your lifestyle. And I think overall in time, it'll work out to be a good thing for you as long as you don't idolize uh, money and get it uh, to where it becomes a, a hindrance to you instead of a help. And there are a lot of companies now that are, have these uh, biblical funds available to you. Yeah. And so if you want certain industries that you want to stay in or out of, these funds offer that. And the best thing to do is just offer, I mean, do, do your research uh, on what, where they're investing their money. And that's through a prospectus. They'll actually show you some of the annual reports will show you which companies that they're investing in. And if it's a good fit, I would say that'd be a good fund for you to put some money into. Yeah, Rob's uh, talking about the ESG, and that's yeah. it, that stands for Environmental, Social, and Governments. Yeah. So basically, there's three different categories because you may say you're a Democrat and you don't like what things the Republicans are doing, yeah. and then vice versa. You could also say I don't like that a certain company's dumping their waste into the ocean or something like maybe where where's your line and where does it stand and those esg ratings are something that you can find online you can look at morningstar which is a great place to look for any type of investment if you wanted to learn more about it of course you can reach out to any one of us we can help you out with that as well i just wanted to add to pat i mean there's some different parables in the bible too when it comes to I think it was back in Genesis when they talked about Joseph and the Pharaoh, mm -hmm. and he had talked to the Pharaoh about basically amassing amount of food and stuff because there was going to be a seven-year drought, and that did happen. But he looked crazy 
to be able to overtax and overbuild people, to be able to build this abundance, to be able to live out that drought. And that goes back to emergency funds, retirement savings. These are all things that you can kind of implement the same way that they did way back then. There's not a whole lot in the Bible about investing, quote unquote, just because things will look a lot different than they do now. I mean, back then it was probably more goats and sheep and and stuff like that. They weren't necessarily buying into stocks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there there was definitely a market. They were trading, but it was something different. But a lot of it came down to how do you view money? And I talked about this in, in episode 17, The Heart of Giving. It's just where does your heart lie? And we've seen this a lot in our business, and Pat and Rob can definitely attest to this, is where's your heart at? And usually when you get money, that will tell you where it's at. They'll start spending it where they think is true to them or the things that they've always held true to them or their treasure. And and we've seen it a lot when people have run into new money, whether it's an inheritance or they want it in some kind of gambling issue or whatever, they earn some money. And usually that dwindles out really, really quickly. I don't know if you guys want to speak on that at all, but. Yeah, I just think, you know, Connor's right. It's where your heart is. And we have clients that have uh, very charitable wishes in their lives and they leave money to charities while alive or they uh, give it to them when they pass away. But the biggest thing is don't make money your idol. Being rich doesn't necessarily mean you have a big bank account. It means you're rich in life. You have the, your priorities straight of family and friends and faith, and uh, you don't need millions of dollars uh, to do that. So just have your priorities right on that, and don't be saving for dollars' sake. Be saving for what you believe you're going to do in retirement, and uh, be just a good steward of of all that that's been given to you. Yeah. Yep. Have a plan, you know, and save in those plans because over time you got to take care of yourself. You got to take yep. care of your family. And, and, and you have to take care of, then at the end, if there's money left over, you can touch as many people and help them. But for and foremost, you have to have a plan. You have to take care of you and your family. So. All right. Well, thank you guys for coming on. You guys need to add anything other than that? No. Thanks for having us on. It's always fun to come here and and talk about these issues. So yeah, I had a great time today. It was my first. So yeah. Hopefully not the last. uh, Yep. It was fun. Thanks a lot, Connor. No problem. Now, if you are interested in sending in any more questions, please be sure to go find that in my profile, the link there. It'll be that first option in that link tree. You can just type into that type form. Again, you are completely unanimous. I don't know anything other than those couple of questions about you, and we'll be able to answer more of these questions in future episodes. So be sure to do that, and you can also find that in the link in the summary of this podcast as well. And of course, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Wealthy Homes Podcast. Be sure to click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Connor Bowsman or Preferred Financial Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investment advice. Always seek the advice of Connor Bowsman or other qualified financial advisors with any questions you may have regarding this episode. 
Connor Bowserman is a licensed financial advisor, and any of the investment and advisory services offered are through Harbor Investments, member SPIC. Products and services provided are not NCUA insured, have no credit union guarantee, and may lose value. Consumers Professional Credit Union and Marshall Community Credit Union and Harbor Investments are separate and independent companies, and credit unions are not providing security services.